Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Uh, the background of this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, is that Jesus is taking His team from life as they've known it into His kind of life. And that is incredibly different to what they have been used to. They struggle with that. If you've read much of the Gospels, you'll know that guys like Peter, at one point when he was called by Jesus, actually told Jesus to go away. He said, depart from me because I'm a sinful man. He, he All of a sudden, for the first time in his, in his life, what he called normal, he discovered wasn't normal at all. Uh, guys like Judas Iscariot, who was a political activist, he struggled and never really made it <clears throat> until it was too late began to wrestle with the whole thing because he wanted Jesus' kingdom to be an earthly one. He really wanted Jesus to come and get rid of the Roman oppressors and restore what he considered normal. And Jesus kept on saying, that's not what it's about. When Herod uh, and Pilate both were interviewing Jesus and said, why don't your followers fight? Jesus said, if they were like your kingdom, they would do that. And then he scared the pants off him by saying, but my followers are not out of this kingdom. They're from another kingdom. And all of these things weaving in together gives us some context of what I wanna talk about tonight on the spirit of the kingdom. Because this is Matthew 6 and Matthew 5, Matthew 6 and Matthew 7. I'm not gonna get too deep or theological, but deep enough to scratch something for some of you that maybe need to think a bit harder and, and enough for those of you that might be the newest believer in the place. Uh, but Matthew 5, 6 and 7 is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 verse 1 in the Message Bible says this, When Jesus saw His ministry drawing huge crowds, He climbed a mountain and called unto Him His climbing companions. That's the 12 disciples. And it says that He sat down and began to teach them. And we're going to read in a minute uh, what He said, the first part of Jesus' first ever sermon. And that goes all through Matthew 5, all Matthew 6, and all Matthew 7. Now, I'm not going to read all of that, but we're going to read a few verses that I know almost everybody here will have heard these words. If only you've ever seen them on a Christian poster, or you've heard maybe a celebrity or somebody on TV quoted or a writer in a book uh, talk about what these things mean. Uh, it's Jesus saying, for the first time to His disciples, let me give you in a short version the big difference between life as you know it and my kingdom. The key phrase in Matthew 5, 6 and 7, it appears five times in those three chapters, is this phrase. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. That's obviously a statement of contrast. He's saying, you know what this is like in your life, but I'm telling you what the new one's gonna be like. And so that's what we're gonna have a look at tonight is the spirit of the kingdom. But before we go to that, I want to take you to somewhere that I reckon all of you have been. I wanna take you on a little journey to that restaurant you went to, the one, you know the one, there was one where the waiter was so amazing that even if the food wasn't up to scratch, you loved the experience. And then there was the other one where the food was incredible. Well, let's just play it out. Here I am. 
I'm in Restaurant Metro. I've just been seated. Here I sit, ready to enjoy a beautiful meal. I wonder where the waiter is. I wonder which one it's going to be. What do you want, mate? Uh, well, maybe a menu or something. Uh, you know what? Just wait here, mate. Can't be bothered. This is the point where most of us go, you know what? Next time, maybe don't wear that coloured shirt because I don't really like the way it looks with the stripes. So anyway, keep going, mate. Ben's so nice and that's his brother. That's obviously the black sheep of the family. Anybody here ever been to a restaurant, by the way, where you, I've had them sit down and chat to me and I'm going like, who are you? Uh, or start telling me about the customer that came in yesterday and how bad they were. And literally, and I'm going, what the? So maybe that's been your experience of being served but hopefully it's not that kind of waiter. Hopefully it's this kind. Evening, sir. How are you? Welcome to the Metro Dining Experience. How is the temperature for you, sir? It's just fine and dandy. Thank you very much. My goodness, you look fabulous. Sparkling or still for you this evening, sir? Oh, sparkling. Thank you very much. Yeah, if you would, that's wonderful. Uh, and what's your name? Ah, Luke, nice to meet you. I'm going to be looking after you this evening. If you have anything at all, feel free to help. Wow. Wow, that's just great. Uh, well, I'm really looking forward to this, Luke. Uh, thank you so much. No problem. I'll just be back with the menu. I'll be back very shortly, sir. Wow. Now, yeah, that's Luke. That's Luke who, together with his beautiful new bride of three weeks, who was uh, serving, putting all this out before... Everybody here knows this to be so because you've experienced it, but maybe you haven't thought about it in the light of the kingdom of God. Have a look at what it says up on the screen for you. The spirit with which a deed is done has greater impact than the deed itself. The spirit with which a deed is done has greater impact than the deed itself. The reality is that is sparkling water, by the way. Yeah. Thank you, Luke. Uh, both people were working in the same place. Both people, well, kind of served. Both people came out and acknowledged the customer. But we all know which one we're going to go away and talk about. It's both of them. But we all know which one will determine whether we come back or not. And here's the reality. Just hold that up there. The spirit with which a deed is done has greater impact than the deed itself. Because I do think that there's a lot of people that are going to, uh, that are in the kingdom of God. They are Christian. They're going to go to heaven when they die, but they've never lived in the spirit of the kingdom. And so, like the first waiter, they never have the impact that they're meant to have. Listen to me. It's not about your theology. It's not about your doctrines. It's not how long you've been a Christian. It's not any of those things as important as all of that may be. The thing that, listen to me, the thing that'll have the biggest impact through your life is always going to be the spirit 
that comes through your life. You can be a Christian going to heaven, but never have the spirit of the kingdom of God flowing in through your life. So let's read Matthew 5, verse 3. This is obviously the very beginning of Jesus' teaching to these disciples we mentioned before, these people who He's trying to say, you know the way you're used to life. Let me tell you what life is like in the Kingdom. You'll have heard this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the Kingdom of Heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, theirs is the Kingdom of Heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute and you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. There are nine blessed art thou's in that little section. Nine times Jesus says, Let me tell you what blessing in the kingdom follows. He's not saying you're going to feel happy, he's saying, Blessing follows in the Kingdom these nine things. I'm not going to get through anywhere near that. I'll get through maybe three tonight. I'll do a part two next Sunday night. And then uh, if I don't get through them, then it'll be part three the week after. It's what we call the Beatitudes. And Jesus is not trying to teach them nice words. He's trying to teach them the spirit of the Kingdom. So let's get into this together. First one, I'm going to take them one at a time. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the Kingdom of Heaven. Now, it's not like it looks like on the surface. Jesus is not saying that we are better off broken or damaged or having lack in our life. The word poor literally means to be a beggar. And I was thinking about this because the other night I went up to get some takeaway at a, a restaurant not far from our home. And here is a man sitting in a suburban shopping centre with a piece of cardboard and, and some writing on it and asking all the passers-by, uh, would they give him some help? You know, it's so easy in a place like that or in a space like that to think, well, you're a nuisance. You know, what kind of a, a, a you know, a, may I dare say the word, some people would think, what a loser you are. I, I would watch this man and rethought what it's like to be in His space. Not out of the sympathy part of it, but out of the what an achievement it is to be able to say, you know what? I recognise I need help and I can't help myself. I recognise that I need somebody else to be a contributor into my life. So I'm going to go and beg. I thought what it meant to lay aside your pride to lay aside your sense of, oh, I'd be seen dead doing that, which most of us here probably would think, and to think like that, and then to go and sit in the front of a shopping centre. Now, I don't know you all here, maybe you've done it. But I wondered about, I thought, kind of just tweaked my whole thing. I thought, what an incredible strong person you must be to be able to lay aside your pride like that. 
What kind of a strength must you have on the inside to say, you know what? I don't mind what people think about me because I recognise I need help. And the word poor there in the Greek is a word that simply means to be a beggar. It's the exact opposite of self-sufficiency, which is what our world is continually telling us we ought to be. Our world continually tells us we ought to have it all together. We've got to have a lot in your health. I mean, like, hello. Uh, it seems to me like every week another celebrity, there was one this week, comes out and tells us about how their retouched photos and how they regret all those years of being a model and all the rest of that stuff. And it was all a big sham anyway. And now they're a lot happier and more at peace with themselves because now they're being, you know, authentic and all the rest of that. And, and, and I get that because there's a lot of pressure in our world to act like you've got all this thing together. Can I say to you as Christians, there can be a lot of pressure to act like you have got it all nailed. That you've never had a problem you can't face, but I've walked through enough valleys to discover there aren't too many of the valleys that are nice. Someone came up to me this morning, they said, I just wanna, they, want to, they said, can I give you a hug? I go, yeah, sure. And he said to me, I just wanna say thank you for being authentic and being real. I, 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 so I hugged him, I said, is there another way? Is there any better way? Pretending never helps. Pretending doesn't get you anywhere in life. Every one of us at some point or other is going to need outside help. And so when Jesus is saying, this is how the kingdom works, what He's saying is pride is the opposite of kingdom spirit. So often we talk about pride as though it means I'm full of myself. No, what really pride says is I don't need you. Pride says there's no need in my life for you to have any part in it, to have any input to it. It's the opposite of kingdom spirit. Don't tell me what to do. And the Scripture says here, blessed, the kingdom works well and works best when we have got an openness to one another. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be gullible. I'm not saying you should tell everybody in the world your business. I actually don't think that's true. I think a wise person picks who they share their life with. I think a wise person looks for somebody who's got a track record of success, not who's the loudest grumbling voice about that particular issue. But let me just say to you, make sure you build around your life. Rhonda and I were having dinner uh, recently with some people and we were just talking about the number of friends that we have in this church. We do a lot of things here to build friendship. Metro uh, Kids and Families once a month has a pancake morning at 8.30 on a Sunday morning for whoever wants to come, whether you've got kids or not. We run cafe after uh, morning service. The evening we have food. Why do we do all that stuff? Why do we uh, invest in that? Because we know how important others are in your life. We know that listening to the preaching is fantastic. But if it was just about the preaching, you could stay home. But here's the deal. Because some people do nowadays, they go, oh my, you know, I worship on the television. You know, I'm there with Reverend Joel or whoever else. And I love Joel, by the way. Saint Joel, my friends call him. Uh, you know, whether you like him or not. But anyway, that, that's beside the by. I, I go, how awesome this. But I'll tell you one thing I never get when I'm worshiping at the television or on a podcast. The one thing I never get is I never get others. It's just me. 
I'm watching it. I'm getting the info. That's why I keep saying to our, our preaching team, listen, preaching is not a download of data. Otherwise, we would send you an email and say, don't bother coming. There it all is. But we don't do that. Why? Because a vital part of what we get when we are together A vital part of that is not because we really want to bring in a guest worship leader who's really talented or our own worship leaders that are very talented, yada, yada. It's because there's something in our together that's never there when we're on our own. So Jesus begins off with this thing, blessed are those who are not afraid to acknowledge their need. Blessed are you when you're able to look at what's going on around about and go, I know where to go for help. So these people we had dinner with were commenting. They said, you know, and they go to a great church, but they said, you know, oh, it must be wonderful to have friends that you're close to. We both go away going, what was that? Doesn't everybody? But apparently not everyone does. Listen, you can have a thousand likes on Facebook. You can have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. But what you really need is what the Scripture says in Proverbs, a friend who's closer than a brother. You need somebody. Are you with me here tonight? I know I'm kind of preaching a bit to the, you know, hello, Jeff, get with the 21st century. You know, we're all digital now and yada, yada, yada. Switch off your phone sometime or other or else use it as a phone. Ring someone up. I had another friend this week say, you know, how do you, how do you ring people like you do? I go, well... Uh, let's get with a program here. Technology, you just ring someone up. huh? There doesn't have to be distance. I find this, that where there's geographical distance, there doesn't have to be emotional distance. But where there's emotional distance, it never matters how close the other people are. Where there's emotional distance, if you have gotten hurt, or you've gotten wounded, or you've gotten disappointed in the church or in preachers or in Christians or whatever else, if you create emotional distance, it will not, listen to me, it will not matter how geographically close they are to you. Because your emotional distance is the most important distance in life. All right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Here's number two. We're only gonna go through three. Then we're going to share communion together at the beginning of this year. I can hardly believe it's the first, it's, it's the first Sunday already. It feels like we're about a month into it to me, but it's only the first Sunday. Here's the second one. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. And we read that and go like, hello, how can it be good to mourn? Well, let me remind you that this is what Isaiah said about Jesus Himself in Isaiah 53 verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. A lady said to me just this week, I said, you know, I have learned so much out of the painful journey I've been through. And I look back to all the times I gave someone a cliche instead of giving them comfort. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 in the message version says this, we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. I'm glad that I don't just worship God. I'm glad that my Saviour has only ever known heaven. 
I'm glad that my Saviour walked the dirty, broken, dusty, conflicted streets of Jerusalem. Believe me, I've been there and it's all of those. Uh, I'm glad that we have a Saviour who knows what it's like to rub up against humanity. Two of His disciples come with their mother asking for a promotion. Can we sit at your right hand? He's got a treasurer who's a thief. Judas, he was a thief, the Bible says. He was in charge of the money, which again, obviously Jesus had some because you don't have a treasurer if you're broke. Just a thought I'll chuck in there for you. He's experienced our reality. Last Sunday night, the last Sunday night of 2019, Pastor Bruce Grant, who's sitting right here, uh, spoke and helped us about helping other people with some of the keys that he shared at the mouth of the Amazon River. Aquitos, is that the name? Uh, Kidos in the mouth of the Amazon in Peru. He was there with One Nation one day, training 400 people that have been through either domestic violence or sexual assault, or who've got family members in that. I think uh, the statistics, if I'm right, it was the highest uh, domestic violence stats uh, of any city in the state and the highest of any state in the nation and the highest of any nation in the world. And so Bruce was there. And I remember one of the things that he said, uh, I'm not sure if I got the words right, but in my head it was that old deal of, well, you know what, build a bridge and get over it. You know, and he talked about how there's no help in that kind of, uh, of counsel to somebody. Telling somebody what they ought to do does not bring help. It's the opposite of help. So many people are pushed away because they came looking for help and all they got was a lecture. The Spirit of the Kingdom. Firstly, the Spirit of the Kingdom is to acknowledge our need to be ready to receive from others. But secondly, it's to have a heart of compassion for others. You know, I've had people criticise to me or tell me that they're upset with red frogs and what we do with red frogs and minimise it by talking about, well, you know, there they go off the cricket handing out bottles of water. And I go, oh, you have no idea. Obviously you have no idea. I got a coffee this morning from a man, I don't know what his religious background of faith is, but when I was there last week, I must have mentioned, he asked me what I did, so I told him, and so he asked me this morning, he said, so how was your Christmas? He comes from a part of the world where Christmas definitely doesn't get celebrated. And uh, he asked me how it had gone. I told him about it and he said, well, I suppose, you know, uh, you're getting ready to go back to work. I said, look, uh, church goes every Sunday of every year. I said, besides that, we've got red frogs. Well, the moment I mentioned red frogs, this guy lights up. He says, I know red frogs. I said, do you? He goes, oh yeah, I know them from Leavers. I said, well, we run that for Western Australia. He says, do you? And straight away, the guy who's kind of politely interested in church is all of a sudden very, very interested in what I'm going to say next. He said, are they all paid? <laughs> I said, well, actually, I said, Hayden's on our staff. I said, but he's the only one. I said, it's all done by volunteers. He went, Really? And he asked me about their faith and are they all Christians? And I look at stuff like that and I go, do you understand that when you have compassion on the broken, St. Francis of Assisi said this, go into all the world, preach the Gospel to every creature. If all else fails, use words. 
Jesus said in Matthew 6, So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Can I just be, can I just, will you pardon me just one minute at the beginning of 2020? Will you let me just get onto my high horse for a minute? Can I just kind of chuck something out there? Because I've got to be honest, I get a little bit concerned when I hear Christians talk about how the bushfires are the judgment of God. And I go, well, really? He should have burned us all up a long time ago. <laughs> Last I checked. Uh, I get really bothered by people. I, I understand they're trying to wave the flag of righteous living, but you don't wave the flag of righteous living by telling all the unbelievers that God hates them. Yeah, don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good here, but uh, I, I just got to get that in because I hear people talking about it. Oh, we've got to get together and discern the, what, what's behind it. I'm going, hello, can we be a part of the answer rather than trying to, we're, we're Christians so often, we're like an autopsy doctor. We're digging up the dead things in order to see what happened, what went wrong back there. I'd rather be the ER nurse. Amen. They're coming in nearly dead. and We're going to find out how to give them back to life. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. And so I tell you, when you're a part of something like Red Frogs or our ministry of hope, uh, bringing compassion to people, you know, in hope, we stopped calling them clients years ago. We just banned the word. They're our guests. They're our guests in church the same way, no matter which door you walk through in the building. Why? Because the kingdom doesn't operate on legalism. The kingdom operates on compassion for others. If you've got a really fast writing hand, jot these down, Matthew 9, 36, Matthew 14, 14, Matthew 15, 32, and Matthew 20, 34. Did you get all those? I'll give them to you again. Matthew 9, 30, they're all in Matthew. Matthew 9, 36, 14, 14, 15, verse 32, and 20, verse 34. And that's just four that I picked out, all of which say exactly the same thing. They say Jesus had compassion and then did miracles. Every single one of them says that. And right throughout Scripture, even when people were not deserving, and let's face it, they weren't. He said, I have compassion on this multitude because they are faint. And so the miracle of feeding the 5,000 takes place. He had compassion on the people that were blind and then He heals them. Every miracle just about that I can find apart from the changing of the water into wine, almost every miracle involves Jesus having compassion on people. Can I tell you, if you want to see miracles in your life, don't try and become authoritarian and demanding and pray with a big deep voice and with a commanding tone. Just go about starting to feel compassion for people that are broken. I was thinking while I was away in Cambodia a couple of weeks back, I was thinking about how so many people are offended at the wrong things. God is offended by humanity's sickness. God is offended by humanity's brokenness, not in the sense that it creates distance, but in the sense that He's offended at and wants to shift it, wants to change it. Blessed are those who mourn. If we have compassion for others, we are always going to be exhibiting the Spirit of the Kingdom. Can I just be this honest? Because again, you know, we've run the Ministry of Hope for 20 something, how many years now? 24, 27? It's a whole lot anyway, whatever it is. Red Frogs is 19 years. 
Do you know we've never ever done that saying, and by the way, unless you let us give these people a tract or a gospel bit, we won't do it. And personally, I have a problem with it uh, if, when people do that because I feel like compassion ought to be we love you no matter what. Just a thought. I think having compassion draws the heart of God. I always thought that our church was incredibly blessed financially in so many ways because we've continued to say we love the poor. Amen. I've discovered that most people want grace for their mistakes, but judgment for everybody else's. Isn't that true? We want God to go and judge those filthy sinners, fix them up, show them the error of their ways. You dirty, you bad, you whatever. I'm going to protest. But we want God to have mercy on us. Matthew 7 verse 2, Jesus said this, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. I remember that verse ever since I've become a Christian. And I've always thought when I stand before God, I want Him to be really, really kind to me. Anybody else in that same basket? I just want Him to be really kind to me. You know, that, that verse makes me go, I'm going to be really kind to everybody else. Not perfectly, mostly. Here's the third one, last one. You all here? You're looking very quiet tonight. Is it just because it's the start of the year, you're still trying to get into it? No. How many of you go, no, I'm thinking? Ah, okay, I get it. Here's the third one. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Again, we look at that and we go, meek is such an ugly word in 2020. We look at it and go, meek, who wants to be meek? No, I'm going to be the selfie king. The number one photograph posted on Instagram is selfies. I'm all for selfies. God bless you. I love looking at you if I'm following you. I love seeing what you're eating and what you're dressing and, you know, what you're buying and where you've been. And I think it's great because I don't need to go on a holiday because I'm surrogating my holiday by watching yours and, uh, and tracking you. <laughs> anyway, but... So who wants to be meek? And Jesus, remember though, is saying, you're used to this way, but I'm going to show you a different way. I'm going to show you the way the kingdom works. It's not weak, it's meek. The word meek actually means the complete opposite of weak with one simple qualifier. It means strength under control. I've ridden a few horses in my time. And I was a young guy, I don't think I rode them all that well, but I've ridden a few and I've always thanked God for the bridle. I have jumped on horses bareback and just with nothing but the mane to hold on to. It's a very scary experience, personally, I think, holding on going, oh God, I hope this horse doesn't do something bad. I broke my arm off one horse once. And uh, so, you know, you, you kind of thank God for the bridle. It doesn't remove the horse's strength. The horse has still got all the strength that it, don't worry about it. It's just, it's just a bit of beautiful piano music that I've arranged in the background <laughs> while I'm preaching. Uh, it is lovely music, actually. A lovely ringtone. I, I feel like I might even do a ballet in a minute. So where was I? Yes, blessed are the meek. Strength under control because the horse doesn't lose its strength, it just becomes controlled strength. 
Moses was described as the meekest man on the face of the earth, but he could march into Pharaoh's palace, into his very courtroom and stand up and declare to him what God said about letting the children of Israel go. I don't call that weak. I'd call that amazing strength. He could stand up to divisive leaders and declare what God was going to do about their rebellion. I I don't call that weak. I call it incredible strength. Ben was saying something. Come on out, uh, team, if you're there. Uh, Ben was saying something or other in the worship earlier tonight about let's just wait a minute. And the moment he said it, I thought, oh, how true it is that sometimes the thing you need the most strength to do is to wait. We live in a world where it's all about go get it, bust it, make it happen. If it doesn't move, shake it. The psalmist said, wait on the Lord. Psalm 27 verse 14. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and He will strengthen your heart. I've spent about the last three or four weeks praying every day saying, Lord, I need refreshing in my life. I don't want to go into 2020 just with 2019 faith, 2019 experience. I don't want to go into 2020 and it's still me carrying the load. Lord, would you refresh me? Because the book of Acts chapter 10 talks about whom the heavens must receive. Sorry, Acts 3. Whom the heavens must receive uh, until times of refreshing come from the presence of God. Every single one of us needs to take time to do nothing with God, but wait for God. Can't tell you that takes more strength than going ahead and knocking down doors. We all love ask, seek, knock. Yep, I'm going to go get a door. Is that a wall? I don't know. Let's knock on and see if it opens. Amen. Well, that's the way I think. I go there just because it doesn't have a handle. Who knows? Maybe it's a door. Let's go knock on the thing. I love that. Love people with initiative. However, You've got to know what it's like to be able to say, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who know how to pause. Blessed are those who lead, not drive. Blessed are those who help, not point. Blessed are those who stand with, not stand off from. Isn't that so? The Christian life done well is not a burden. The Christian life done with the spirit of the kingdom is a refreshing, wonderful space. I didn't say an easy one. I said wonderful. Galatians chapter 6, I'll finish with this, verse 1 and 2. Again, out of the message, it says, Live creatively, friends. There's a word right there. It's not saying just become a doormat or do nothing. It's saying live creatively, friends. But if someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him or her, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. The Spirit of the Kingdom, it doesn't make you weak, but makes you meek. The Spirit of the Kingdom is about going, God, I'm going to represent you. I'm going to allow your sphere of kingdom activity to become my sphere. I'm going to walk with you in Jesus' Name. Amen. Well, I hope that gives you some food for thought, something to chew on as you go into 2020. 
say, God, am I operating in the spirit of the kingdom or am I just going to go to heaven when I die? I pray that we'll have the spirit of the kingdom. I pray we'll have the kind of spirit that says, God, I'm, I'm here for you. I want you in my space and in my world. We're going to pray together in a minute. And uh, then we're going to share communion. We want to do that in every service. And uh, I, I love the opportunity to be able to do that. You're all welcome to, by the way. Never allow guilt to stop you taking communion. You're better off receiving it from a repentant heart, even if that repentance is a microsecond old. You're better off receiving it than saying, I'm not worthy because this table, you never were worthy and neither was I. Amen. So I want to receive that. It'll do me good. It'll help me not do bad for my life. And so we're going to do that together in a minute. But before we do that, I don't know you all. And there's be people listening to this podcast. Wherever you are driving a car because you downloaded it onto a USB or whatever, or you're watching it on your computer in your study or at the kitchen table, and you're hearing this because someone said to you, you should listen to this, this will help you. And you're listening to it and then you go, wow, I, I, I obviously haven't known God. I've only known about Him. Or maybe you've just wondered about Him. I'd love to pray with you. Those of you here in front of me tonight, I'd love to pray with you right where you sit. So can I have every head bowed, every eye closed, just where you are? If you're here tonight and you say, Jeff, I don't know Jesus like that. Or maybe you say, Jeff, I used to walk with God and stuff got in the way and I've lost track and I really want to start again. I want to start again with Jesus. I'd love to pray with you right where you are. You cannot have done too much wrong for Him to reject you. He's waiting for you because the King of the Kingdom has the Spirit of the Kingdom that we spoke about. He's got all of that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. He's got all of that because He's waiting for you. So just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if that's you and you're here in the building in front of me and you'd like me to pray with you, right where you are, I won't embarrass you. But if you'd like me to pray with you, just slip your hand up and put it back down again. And then I know I'm praying for you right where you are. It'd be my joy to do that with you tonight, wherever you are. Thank you. Or anybody else, just wherever you are, you say, that's me, Jeff. I, I need Jesus in my life. And I'd love to take the opportunity, whether it's one or two or 10, to pray with you right where you are. Thank you over there. Yep. Is there anybody else just wherever you are? You say, that's me, Jeff. Tonight, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to start a journey with God. Then I'm going to pray. And those of you that are listening, you can pray this prayer as well. Pull over the side of the road if you're driving and pray this prayer, would you? Say these words to Jesus. Those of you in front of me that lifted your hand, would you make this your prayer? Say it to Jesus after me. Lord Jesus, Thank You for dying for me because I matter to You. I want You in my life. I want to follow You. I receive You tonight. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. You don't need to pray the rest of this. Let me pray for You, Lord, for those people that are watching or listening, the people right in front of me, You've said tonight, I step out of my old way of doing it and I step into Christ's way of doing it. I allow Jesus to be my Saviour. I acknowledge my need of someone to save me. Lord, I pray for those people tonight in the Name of Jesus. Lord, let their journey with You 
whatever lies in that journey, Lord, let them always lay hold of You, keep hold of You and be held by You, I pray. In the Name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give those people a big hand, would you? We've got a Bible for you if you don't have a Bible. Lots of people don't nowadays or uh, the team will show you how to download one on, onto your device. If you need that as well, they can recommend one to you like that. But it'd be our joy to walk with you. As you can tell from everything we're saying in the service, we're not about a crowd to entertain. Uh, nothing, there's anything wrong with that, I guess. But we are about saying, let's do the journey together. We're always better together. Not just better with one, but better with many. And so we would love to do that. So go back and grab a Bible if you would like one. Everybody here can uh, do what we call the yes text, saying yes to Jesus. So many people have done this over the last year and a half, nearly two years now, I think, isn't it? In February, we, we launched it two years ago. And uh, this has been so helpful to so many people. We've discovered people all in the, some of the remote parts of Australia who simply texted yes to 488 And the next morning they get 7 a.m. our time from our church a Scripture just for them, a different one every day. They get a prayer, a different one every day that they can pray. I have lost count of a number of people that I've heard back from me said, every day was like God spoke to me through that. So I encourage you to do that as well. Host team are gonna come and we're gonna share communion together as we come to the end of the service. And so we'd love you to do that. Just simply take a piece of the bread and the cup and then when everyone's been served, we will stand and eat together as the family of God that we are. Thank you so much. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Sven. Oh, thank you, Nikki. Appreciate that. All of our team, by the way, shared communion before the service, so they're not missing out. We do that whenever we have communion together. Next Sunday morning, Joseph Yepwe is speaking, so we won't have communion at the end of that service to give him the maximum amount of time, but we will again in the evening. It'll be part two, so if that helped you tonight or just made you think, provoked your thinking. Bring someone along with you and let's together get into the Word of God. Let it speak to our heart and our life in Jesus' name. That'd be so good. I spoke this morning about out of uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, at this point where Jesus meets with the disciples at what we call the Last Supper. And it's quite special and poignant that it says... He'd already uh, broken the bread and said, this is my body. He's already identified to them, this is no ordinary meal. It's no ordinary Passover. This is a special one. We call it the Last Supper. But the next verse says that He took the cup and when He had given thanks. And it struck me this morning with great impact that He gave thanks prior to this meal which comes just before He's betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before He goes on trial before Pilate and Herod, just before He's taken out to Golgotha and crucified a common criminal's death for you and for me. And before that, He gave thanks. Psalm 92 and verse 1 says, It is a good thing to give thanks. Let me tell you what good means. Well, it means good, obviously, but there's a whole, think about this, a good thing to give thanks. It means a good or a good thing, a good man or woman, the good goods are good things. 
beautiful, best, better, bountiful, cheerful, at ease, being in favour, fine, glad, goodliest, graciously, joyful, kindly, kindness, loving, merry, pleasant, pleasing, precious, prosperity, ready, sweet, wealth, welfare. All of those things are held up in that one Hebrew word for good. When I give thanks, I literally take myself from the negative side of the ledger and put myself over onto the blessing side. Everything I'm saying about the Kingdom and blessed is wrapped up in this table. It's a good thing to give thanks. Maybe tonight you're going through some major issues in life. I would encourage you as we stand a minute, I would encourage you to say, Lord, I'm going to give thanks for what you're doing in my life. I'm not going to allow the bad things that are going on in my world right now to determine my level of gratitude. I'm going to give thanks regardless. Can we do that? Let's stand together in Jesus' Name. Father, we thank You for this bread. We thank You for Your sacrifice for us. Your body broken so that we could have healing. Your mind pressed with that crown of thorns so that we could have wholeness in our mind and in our emotions. God, I pray for people that are here that You need to restore. Lord, would You help them? Let this communion moment be a part of helping them. Building a posture, and attitude of gratitude for their life in Jesus' Name. For the cup, Lord, we remember with gratitude all You've done for us in the Name of Jesus. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. It's the family of God that we are. Just take a minute, would you? And from your heart, just tell the Lord I'm grateful. Sometimes, you know, I find I've got to tell Him I'm grateful and then my emotions catch up to it. Sometimes the mere act of just saying, Lord, You've done so much. I regularly, I regularly say, God, You've blessed me so much. I have an amazing family. What an amazing church. Sometimes I walk around this building and I go, how good is this? Lord, look at all You've done. I hear a story of volunteers that are passionately serving. I go, God, how good are you? Never lose the attitude of gratitude. It'll build your life in an amazing way.